0: Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Arizona Opera Behind the Scenes. I'm Cassie Robel, the Director of Education and Community Engagement.
1: And I'm Kathleen Trott, the Shop Manager for the Marlu Allen and Scott Stallard Costume Artisan Workshop. Thank you all for joining us today. In this podcast series, we're going to introduce you to all the departments and people that are necessary to produce the operas you enjoy.
0: In this episode, we'll be joined by Elena Maniscalco, Prop Supervisor at Arizona Opera.
1: Before we start, let's review our trivia from the last episode. What did ancient Romans use to treat freckles? And the answer is ashes. From snails, Queen Elizabeth thought lipstick brought on evil spirits. True or false? It's false. She actually thought that it got rid of evil spirits. In fact, she died with nearly a half of an inch of lip rouge on.
0: We are so excited to welcome Elena on our podcast today. Thanks so much for being with
1: us. Thanks. I'm excited. Elena so let's um dive right in can you explain to us what exactly a prop supervisor is for all of our listeners who don't know
2: a prop supervisor is responsible for acquiring everything a performer interacts with in addition to um everything that creates the environment on the stage um They coordinate with the designer and the director. They also budget and oftentimes manage a crew of props artisans.
1: So that's going to be everything from a lipstick tube all the way up to a table, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. That's a lot of different kinds of things that one person has to sort of...
2: A large variety, lots of research involved.
1: As prop
0: supervisor, do you, is it more acquiring props, or do you build props as well?
2: It really depends on the production. Usually, uh, I'd say it's split. Um, If it's super specific, if a designer designs something on paper and it doesn't exist in the world, then you have to make it from scratch. If it's something that's easily enough to buy, then you can do that and then maybe modify it from there.
0: So before we get too much into what exactly you do here at Arizona Opera, I would love to ask you a little bit about yourself um, and what sort of education do you have that led you to becoming a props supervisor?
2: I have a general theater degree from St. University of New York College at Oneonta, <laughs> also known as SUNY Oneonta um with a computer art minor um yeah so when since i got a general theater degree i got to take classes in uh, makeup in costumes in you know just general classes and stage um stage management a um like a lighting class so i got to take classes in pretty much every um uh, department except for props <laughs> we, <laughs> didn't, <don't> <laughs> we didn't they didn't have a props class while I was there I think they got one the year after um I graduated so what led, if you wild, didn't, but. that's
0: hilarious that you are a prop supervisor and didn't take any props classes so what led you to props um
2: in well, I don't know that it started, I guess, in high school, my senior year, I asked the director, hey, what can I do for our musical? And he said, why don't you be the props master? I was like, okay. And then I figured out what that meant and what that was. <laughs> and I was like tracking props without even know that tracking props was a, a thing to do or what it was called. Um, but in in college, I took on um. I had to do kind of like a practicum, practicum credits and um, so I did like one of them was reupholstering a chair so I got to do crafty things while I was in college um, and that kind of was you know focused more towards props yeah.
0: How long have you been with Arizona Opera?
2: Um, I think it's four years now I got here in September um, 2016.
1: So then where were you before you came to Arizona Opera?
2: I was um, taking contract work, working like three or four months at a time at different theaters um, across the country. And I was looking to settle down finally. I was, I enjoyed bouncing around and seeing the different cities and even going back to different cities each year. Um, but I, um, yeah, I was looking for a home base and it all kind of worked out great.
1: That I think happens a lot with us here, is that it all just sort of somehow clicks properly.
0: I agree. For those of you who don't know, um, Elena, can you explain what you mean? And most of us know what freelancing means, but what does that mean in the term of artists? So are you traveling from summer festival and then you're have a job all season. What exactly, how were you freelancing?
2: For me, I was, let's see if I can remember. I was like taking, like I would, I would go to Florida for the winter time, sign a contract with them. I'm going to start this date and this date Sounds then. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, it was ideal. It was really nice. Um, and then I would have to line up before that that contract ended where i was going to be after that so oftentimes uh, and i forget the whole schedule of where i went when but like in the springtime it would be in st louis and i went to upstate new york for the summertime so i would oftentimes go back to the same companies because it usually worked out in the schedule but usually almost every year there would be one that was different and kind of messed up everything else but um
0: Sounds so hard to just travel from space to space to space to space.
1: A lot of us production folks, at the beginning of our career, were nomadic in some way. Mm. It just sort of is the nature of the industry that we all have done our time flitting from country or from (laughs) city to city, if not even from country to country. So, where were you? Where were you from before then? Like, what part of the country? are you originally from since you were all over the place working?
2: I am originally from upstate, and I'm gonna say that in quotes <laughs> New York. I like to call it midstate. Um, it's two hours north of New York City, one hour south of Albany. Um, yeah, Hudson Valley. I love it there. The mountains are beautiful.
0: I definitely agree. I was born and raised in New Jersey. My sister lives in upstate New York. So um, yeah, it's beautiful up there. But I will admit that I am now a desert flower and don't know that I could leave Arizona because the weather (laughs) is perfect. Um, So now that we know a little bit about you, let's get into what you do for us at Arizona Opera. Um, So what is the difference between a prop and a set piece you mentioned before that you kind of you're setting the stage but we obviously have um we talked to matt and ryan earlier in this series about their job here as carpenters and technical directors so what makes you different from what they are doing
2: i like to say that the the props are everything but the walls and the floor all of that all of the other stuff anything that goes on a wall picture frame a rug furniture cups everything else yeah
1: anything that could be moved by a performer in a like manipulated on stage
0: sort of way so we know the difference between a prop and a set piece so everything but the walls theoretically so then what's the difference between a costume prop and a prop And Kathleen, I don't know if you want to explain what a costume prop
1: is. (laughs) So um, I think that uh, the difference between a costume prop and a prop for me often, and I think I've had this conversation with Elena before, is who cares more about it is the actual answer. So like a purse could be a prop or it could be a costume prop. If the designer wants it to match the outfit, then it lives in my land up often. If nobody has ever mentioned it, and it just is in passing, and it doesn't have to match anything, then often it lands over in Elena's land. But then there are things where you're like, okay, so a satchel. What's a satchel? (laughs) Elena and I literally just had a conversation. So a satchel is always going to be Elena's, even though a satchel is just an unglorified purse. So there's lots of crossover.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: A lot of theaters have Before they condense, they discover that their props department and their costumes department has um, redundant storage. So the props department will have a whole bunch of umbrellas and parasols and purses and fans. And costumes will also have all of those same things, which means when you need to pull one, you have to look in two separate places.
0: Okay, so a hat. Who owns the hat?
1: costumes except for in bohem when (laughs) all those hats are on that cart Mm -hmm. and then they're elena's
0: (laughs) that's right the coolest thing about this podcast i think is that we are learning how intertwined you kind of we think of all these people as very separate if you're prof supervisor and your costume department and you're this and you're that and they all work together all the time probably fight over a hat every now and then.
1: <laughs> I think I've ever fought with Elena over. A hat I love it. I think in cases like that, um what most of the time happens is the prop supervisor says face to face, in an email, in a production meeting, whatever, "Hey, we need these things to be part of props. Do you have them that I can borrow from you?" Because Elena is a very talented human being, but she is not a milliner. So it is not reasonable to expect her to be able to make all the hats that have to go on the cart in Boehm. Also, but she, she has the... so many things to do. Why have her use her time in that way?
0: Because she's making the cart that carries yeah. the hats.
1: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I love And it. breakaway plates, because that show has a plate that has to break. So, So yeah, we will do a whole bunch of like, hey, Elena, do you have... I'm trying to think of something that Elena has that we would have to borrow, but often weapons cross both too. So like we'll have the belt, but she'll have the weapon. The holster could live in either place. So we have to do a lot of, well, how big is that gun or that sword? What size belt does it fit on? Could you take us through um, just
0: a general, there's obviously a lot of research involved. So if I, Arizona Opera comes to you and says, we're staging La Boheme. What is your process from start to finish to get La Boheme? Say we're building it from scratch, right? We're not
2: renting it. Um, traditionally, I'd read through the script or libretto, make my own props list. Um, and chat with the designer slash director depending it, it depends on if we have a de- well from scratch there would be a designer um what they envision those things to be um and like super detailed do, do they want it to be red? um super detailed in each each uh prop um I usually do um, try and get, if I purchase things, I try and get those things purchased right away. So I have time for them to come in the mail and know that that's happening. Um, Then I start trying to figure out the big things, big items that need to be built, Um, how that's gonna, happen if i need materials
0: do you typically have if that's the case say you need a bar right we did i don't know um so like say you're building the fellow travelers bar are you building that or are you again partnering with the carpenters that arizona opera has to help you
2: that piece was big enough to be a scenic piece gotcha
0: okay so that so there is So here's another it's another gray line
2: size of pieces
0: potentially turn into scenic versus props
2: it might also depend on the company that you're working for i worked with a company that had a props carpenter okay so he built some really awesome things so he might have built that um mm -hmm. Hmm.
0: that's awesome cool so then you've you're figuring out your big, you've ordered your pieces. You're figuring out your big pieces. You're either building them, potentially, you know, have help. But I've seen Elena do amazing things, so I'm sure she's building most of herself So then what? You're building them, and then what's your next step? Is it just, state you then put it on the stage and see what happens?
2: <laughs> Getting either those items or rehearsal items, into rehearsal okay. um, everything, something for them for the first day of rehearsal. So they have something in their hand when they get to that scene. Um, And as I finish things, then they go into rehearsal and I swap them out. Um, Then I get notes from the stage managers or the director saying this needs to be changed or needs to be smaller. Kathleen mentioned,
0: just a little bit ago so do you ever have to she alluded to plates breaking in bohem so do you ever have to make props how do you deal with that so if you've seen bohem or our most recent production um the plate was actually thrown to the ground and broken and that happens every night do you have 10 plates do you how do you do something like that
2: uh it depends well there are options there are breakaway glass, breakaway companies
0: where saying that you know if you throw the plate to the ground it breaks in the same way or in a certain way each time it's built to break in a safe way. in a safe way
2: well there there are companies that make sugar glass quote unquote it's not made out of sugar um for like bottles smashable bottles smashable plates in right uh, no um in in riders we have um breakaway lantern um, chimney. Was that? A, uh, we definitely had that in our first writers. Mm-hmm. I think it got cut for our we second writers. We it out of the second
1: one because
2: it, it ended up We did it differently. We staged yeah. it all differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but for our mo- most recent BoM I took a couple plates that were ceramic plates like thick ceramic plates. Um, broke them lightly with the hammer in the center and um, tacked them back together each night with hot glue. I had probably six or 10 plates. So I, yeah, we broke two a night. So I wanted to have lots of backups in case they started to like break into smaller and smaller pieces. Right. Um, yes, that was an interesting to work on kind of fun kind of tedious every single night those are that's one of those things
0: that you don't like when you're sitting in the audience you're like oh a plate was smashed but like it doesn't go farther than that when in reality elena's backstage hot gluing or gluing plates together and doing like and it just you don't even think about it
1: yeah breaking stuff is is sort of elena's version of blood yeah right in that it's you don't think about it it's not a big deal but it is because it gets everywhere and you have the same and continuity and when in
0: reality someone's hiding in the set with a ketchup bottle full of blood spraying it on people that's Elena backstage with plates (laughs) (laughs)
1: like literally in our production meetings during dress rehearsal week while we were doing notes she would sit and (laughs) glue back together things if it needed to happen and that's awesome so go
2: ahead on blood i worked at companies that the prop like we had a slit the goat's throat every night so we had a huge blood bag oh god in there <laughs> that we just used um the like fancy cling wrap made uh-huh. a huge blood bag and put that in there every night and they would poke it
1: you always want stuff to break and stuff to bleed yep it's always a pain makes things <laughs> makes things interesting so do you only
0: work in theater or do you work elsewhere? So like Alita um, in our last episode is an esthetician and does stuff outside. Do you specifically only work in theater or do your skills transfer to other things? I
2: don't just work in theater. I work, have worked locally with a couple companies um, that use the skills I have. Um, most of the, the couple that I've worked with mostly been like my painting skills, which aren't fine painting skills to any extent, but like, um, I can, I'm a clean painter. Um, I worked with a company that basically built a set to basically sets to go out to, um, San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con, I actually worked with Ryan, our head carpenter on that also. he We, we saw each other in the shop, but doing totally separate jobs. Um, I also recently worked on a like, Christmas light show um, in town, the, like a drive-through Christmas light show that I helped paint part of the set pieces on there and like stapling chicken wire to stuff. and. You know, I'm, I'm very diverse in my schools because you have to be as a props person. Um, I always feel like anytime I ask
0: Elena for anything, she can do it. Like, I just feel like she can do everything. <laughs> like, every <laughs> skill. Like, it's it's props, really, really impressive.
1: Props people, really good props artisans have to know how to do. Like, they have to be able to sew. They have to do mild carpentry. You have to be able to paint. You have to be able to do plastic work because it's, there's such a huge amount of things that are covered under the umbrella of props that if you can't do some of everything, you're not going to be able to be a really good props artisan. See, I, again, I say this
0: every single time that I just don't have any of these skills. So every time we talk about it, it just, I mean, it, It really blows my mind. Like something that I feel like is impossible. Elena's like sure, I can do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the other thing that good props artisans have that I think people who aren't production people never ever think of this is they have to be super organized because everyone's always like, oh the show's really easy it's just five characters it's fine. And then the props list is seven pages long because they move this one thing on and off and they eat three times and every single item on stage, even the edible ones count as a prop. And so then Elena has to have a list of all the things that are actually consumable. And some performers only eat certain things. So the food has to be safe for all of them. And oh, then, you know, this thing is only, it all takes place in one house, but there's five years difference. So the furniture all has to swap out and the lists and lists and notes and back and forth email. about every little thing.
0: So how do you manage that? So I'm a performer and I have a cigarette in one scene and then I carry a vase out. What are you doing backstage that tells me, where do I get this prop? Where do I put it? What do I do when I'm done with it? What is
2: that process like? There's always a prop, at least one prop table or a prop area that has a spot specific for each prop so you this performer always picks it up from the spot they're supposed to pick it up if they have time they put it back down in that same spot if not there's a section um called dead props or like (laughs) a drop spot for the props so they always know where to get it every single time uh
1: so then elena because you're taking care of vases and cigarettes and things like that for, you know, the show, is is that going to be similar then to what we're going to be doing for Copper Queen? The film, is it going to... Does it entail very similar aspects to our theatrical productions for you?
2: Yes. I'd say yes. Um, as far um, as the... When we're filming that running... Um, I'll be working with stage management to reset things and like um, put the bed, uh, the um, sheets back together between takes and things like that, change out the bedding. Um, It's, it will be similar to doing a stage play, but with all the pausing, that's going to be totally different. The, a lot of the, I think the resetting between takes is going to be. And the continuity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be, have like, eagle eyes on that set for continuity. Cause I picked that up in uh, movies anyway. Yeah. Right. Um, right. so that should be, oh, that's I funny. think that will be fun for me, but also I'll really want that to be good.
0: Is there anything that, you have to think about differently when creating or acquiring props for film
2: versus live mm-hmm. on stage. Um, how perfect everything needs to be. Um, like even specifically, I just bought some replica coins, which may not like silver dollar coins um, with correct year markings on them so they were pre 20 or sorry 1910 um which they may not even be seen they might only be in a bag i'm not sure but Just i don't want that to be a, that yeah i I'm don't 2000
1: quarter like
0: in a bag on a show yeah that's which,
1: normally for us it wouldn't matter we're we're a bag of washers I mean, yeah but... that's what i was going to say is that often we have Big old washers inside of coin pouches on stage because they it makes a good noise.
0: Yeah, it's that's so cool to me. It just I, the more we talk to people about the difference between film and theater, it just the detail that is required. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily think about that either to have. I don't know the difference if it's a bag of coins or a bag of washers on stage, but on film, you're right, like you could open that bag and everything is just so up
2: close and personal. Mm-hmm. Everything needs to be painted really well. Yeah, everything needs to look really I didn't. Good.
0: E- I didn't even think about the fact that if you're, you know, you do a, a take and they picked up a vase that if they redo the take, the base yes. needs to be in the exact same spot because you never know which section of which tape. Wow. That's going to be tough.
1: But it will be fun. There are whole departments yeah. in movies that that's their job. They are a yep. the continuity department and yeah. that's all they do. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But in this case, it's
0: you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have, I'm going to wear many hats during Copper Queen, I feel.
0: Hats that Kathleen is providing as <laughs> <after costume laughs> prop. <laughs>
1: So it sounds like you're looking forward to working on the film, which is good, but what else have you done that's like, that you really enjoyed doing that was really crazy or cool or weird or fun to do? And it doesn't have to necessarily be something that happened at Arizona Opera, it could just be anything that you did.
2: The most exciting thing I've done, maybe I, probably because I was pretty proud of it at the time. I worked on an off-Broadway show the short time I was living in New York City. Um, six months, I couldn't do any longer than that. Um, I was the props master for a show called Sex Tips for Straight Women from a Gay Man, based off a book, the same title. Um, that was really cool, to be in New York City, to be propping a show, to be working with a designer. Um, I was making props in my bedroom, um, that was that was like a big high for me, especially at that time in my life. I was ju- like, just got to New York City, had been there for, I don't know, two months maybe and got this job. Mm-hmm.
1: Is there a, was that like, that was like modern, mm-hmm. so it was all sort of things that we experience all of the time in our lives, um, which have their own sort of appeal often to work with. But is there a specific like prop that you've done that was weird or fantastical, or like a period piece that was really interesting because it's not something you come across it very often?
2: My answer to these questions is also from this show. Oh, great! Um, It was a muscle scanner like yeah.
1: hospital-wise muscles. It was supposed
2: to be like a TSA-style wand okay. that okay. that glowed. Okay. Glued, um, and also shock confetti out of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All
2: right. Okay. All right. So I uh, took a lightsaber apart and worked with someone with a co2 cartridge i think from the blue man group he he might have been the one that made the blue man group Mm -hmm. co2 confetti cannon um so put them all together in a pvc long kind of wand (laughs) contraption and it also had yeah that was that was fun because i got the sketch from the designer right and knew what needed to happen to it and was but I had to figure out how to make it. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. that was fun.
0: A muscle wand that glows and shoots confetti.
2: Yeah.
0: So not only are you acquiring pieces that exist, you are literally creating pieces that a designer was like, oh, great, I want it to do this, this, and this. And then you do it. <laughs> that's so cool. I love it. That, that's awesome. So maybe this was it but maybe not. Um, what is a dream project for you? Is there something that you just like, and it could be, I mean, anything like something that you just really want to do your dream job or project to work on?
2: I would like to work in Europe. I think that would be a really cool way to get over to Europe. Yeah. Um, so to work on a show there, um, or to do a short tour around Europe. I think that'll be really fun and a, an interesting way to see the, the country. Yeah, yeah that's,
0: that's I mean, I guess that's a pro of freelancing is that while it's hard because you don't necessarily have a home base, you are traveling and working around the country and the world for that matter. That's really neat. And maybe you just answered this one too, but if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would it
2: be? I'd like to go to Sicily, Italy. Yeah. I'm half Italian, so on my list of places to go, the first one is Sicily. I think that would be really cool. We've asked you a lot about
0: what you do here and what a prop supervisor is, but what do you like doing when you
2: aren't at work? I like to go to uh, like street festivals and be outside, um, garden, um, like farmer's markets, um, like to cook um, and go to music festivals. Um, Which yeah. we'll hopefully be able to go back
0: to yeah. sooner rather than later, hopefully.
1: You just mentioned the things that you like to do when you're not at work and where you'd like to go. That got me thinking, is there anyone that you want to work with or that you have worked with who you really enjoyed participating in the collaborative process?
2: I got to work with uh, Julie Andrews.
1: That's really fun.
2: While I was at Goodspeed Musicals in Connecticut. She, uh, She... had a, wrote a musical. I'm not, I forget who wrote it. Um, she and our daughter wrote a book called The Great American Mousical, which <laughs> was put into a musical. So it was really cool to see her in rehearsals and when we were in the theater and like it was surreal. And I also got to work with her and her ex-husband Tony Walton who always worked together. Yeah. Cool. So he was very talented also. He did the costumes and the props. Right. Um so that was everybody was very excited about
1: That's that. Fun. That's fun. It's always fun that our jobs let us work with such great people sometimes.
0: I agree. What an experience too to be able to share space with you mm-hmm. know, and learn from someone the, who's a the two Great m-
1: mousical? Is that the what Great The Great American Mousehole. The Great American <laughs> I love it.
0: That's so <laughs> That's cute. cute. I know I'm gonna need to look it up now.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then, I think let's do our trivia before we finish up our episode. Are we ready? We're ready. Okay. Nobody's keeping score, Elena. There's no pressure. Don't, wait, is not someone actually keeping score? <laughs> Robert said he was. This is going to be the running thing in it every episode. We're going to mention Robert said he was going to keep score. We haven't followed up with him to see if he is or if he isn't keeping score. But,
0: but for <laughs> for everyone listening, we will um we will share the answers to these trivia questions um at the beginning at of the, beginning. the next episode. Yep, at the beginning of our next episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. All right. The golden idol from Raiders of the Lost Ark was also used in which two of the following: Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, Guardians of the Galaxy, James Bond: Casino Royale, or Spy Kids 2: The Island of Lost Dreams. So two of those two also of those used four. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I never, ever, ever know the yes. don't know. It's I don't easy. know what this thing looks like. I've never seen any of those it's,
2: movies. It's I cool. Know. It's,
1: um, oh, to describe, in the same boat. it's probably like, that's about 10 inches tall and it's gold and it's got a big round head and it's got like this weird teethy grimace and it's actually Ugh. a fertility idol. So imagine, <laughs> if you will then. What the bottom half of this thing looks like. Um that they yeah, they used it in uh Riders of the Lost Ark and it lived in a prop house. So movies often have props, right? And so it also has been in
0: I'm going to guess Guardians of the Galaxy and Spy Kids 2. Is that the
2: second and the fourth one on the list? Yes. Because I forgot. I was gonna pick that. Okay, so then I'm gonna (laughs) stick (laughs) in. You
1: still
2: can. (laughs) To the second one and the third one. Guardians
0: of the Galaxy and James Bond. Casino
1: Royale. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I've got a a true and a false. Okay. All right. The boot that Charlie Chaplin eats in The Gold Rush was made of what? Licorice. Jerky or marzipan. It wasn't real leather cuz he did actually eat it in all of the takes. I feel
0: like jerky maybe looks like leather the most. But I feel like marzipan you can like make bunnies out of. Like
2: it's like very like adaptable. I was gonna say marzipan because I think it has less texture than the other two. It can have texture if you want it, but like jerky is pretty texture Yes, leather it. does too, but I feel like jerky is more textural. I'm gonna
0: go with marzipan. You changed it. Our prop,
2: it? yes.
1: You were convinced. <laughs> I was convinced. Okay, two marzipans. Okay. All right. Awesome.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Elena, and sharing um, what you do here at Arizona Opera. It's so great to have this kind of behind the scenes access. Um, and thank you. I was glad I got to share my experiences.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. So, next time you come to a show, now you know
1: all of those things. All of, the, all, all of the secrets yeah. behind the
0: stage. It's a bit of a prop.
1: Find them. Yep. had to bring out 75 different chair options yeah. for the director to look at and yeah. decide which one they wanted that happens yeah
0: I, I bet it does <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for being here on our next episode we will be joined by alice Fredrickson, costume designer for the copper queen we'll be releasing a new behind the scenes podcast every month so make sure you check our website azopera.org Follow us where?
1: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you should join our email list so you can receive notifications about all of our upcoming events that you don't want to miss.
0: Arizona Opera Behind the Scenes is made possible by our lead digital sponsors for the 2021 season, Ron and Kay McDougall. This program is also part of the Arizona Opera Next Gen Initiative that encompasses a wide variety of programs that go beyond the opera stage to develop the next generation of opera artists, audiences, and philanthropists. To learn more about the programs that are part of Arizona Opera Next Gen, please visit azopera.org and click Next Gen Initiative. These programs are made possible through the support of Karen Fruin, Roma Whitcoff, Jeanette J. Siegel, the Valentine Family Foundation, APS, and Jody Pelusi. This podcast is produced by its hosts with editing and music composition by Sean Mallow.